Hey, how's it going? I'm Andy Jones and this is episode 72 of the Photography Side Hustle podcast. So last week I didn't put out an episode because I had, uh, I still have, a nasty case of COVID. Uh, Anna, my better half, she got it first, uh, then two days later it got me too. Anyway, I was a bit worried about recording this as I have a really annoying cough. I probably sound a little bit different anyway, but yeah, I've got this COVID cough and the only thing that calms me down is a little piece of chewing gum. So when I'm doing the editing, I'll get all the chewing gum sounds out of it if I can. All right. So this week's subject is five things that will make your business stronger. Now, these are things that you need to monitor and control. Any one of them, if not set up properly, can cause you problems. The idea is when you're running your business, you don't have any problems. It's all nice and smooth and stress-free. Okay, so the first thing is backup for you. If you listen to the last episode um, that I put out was design your perfect business. I talked about deciding on the number of hours and days you can dedicate to the business. This is really important. But what happens if you fall ill, break a leg, whatever, and you can't make it to a session? Now, if you shoot events like weddings, birthdays, sports, you can't cancel and rebook them. Sporting events just happen. Weddings happen. It's that day or nothing. If you don't turn up for a wedding, it could damage your reputation and it's going to really ruin a bride's wedding day. So you need to have another photographer that you can go to in an emergency. Obviously, they need to be on the same kind of level as you. It's no good approaching a wedding photographer that charges thousands of dollars more than you. If they charge their customers, say, 5000 for a wedding and you charge 1500 and you still want to make some money on the wedding, they're not going to turn up to shoot a wedding for $1,000, even if you're doing the editing. It just really isn't going to happen. So you've got to find someone around your level. Now, there are lots of photographers that want to be employed, and the thought of running their own business doesn't appeal to them. It just Sometimes it just scares them, the thought of it. Now, you, as the person that wants to start the business, are the photographer entrepreneur. So what you need to do is employ some of these people. Use them as a second shooter now and again, just to see how they are. Ask them to come along on a family shoot and tell them what sort of things you want them to shoot, like just taking pictures of the setup and that kind of thing. Just see how their work is. If it's good, then hire them. If not, it's not going to cost you anything, you know, just let them come for free and just to see how their work is. When I was shooting sports events, I would hire photojournalism students from the local college, uh, use them as second shooters on weddings for the sports events. I would have them either on the computer doing the Photoshop work or out on the rink taking pictures. And the one thing I always knew that if I was sick, the team could just turn up and they could just take the pictures. I had someone else who could do the Photoshop work. I wasn't needed if it was desperate. So look at getting yourself a second shooter that you can build up and then rely on to cover for you if needed. If you shoot headshots or products, the chances are you can rearrange and reschedule without the need for another photographer. Whether you can rearrange the shoot or not, Customers need to know what happens if you break a leg and you can't attend the session. So the next thing is contracts. The first time I put a contract together, I did it myself and I was just starting doing weddings and I was just basic selling packages. So it was quite a simple contract. It listed who was hiring me, 
the time, the length, the location, and how long editing would take. And I think that was about two weeks at the time. And I also had a little financial section that listed the deposit. Later, I added that I required a meal when the balance was due and also that I would not start editing the images until the, f- the final balance was received. These requirements were added because I was shooting a wedding where there was a videographer there and he was given a meal and I wasn't. They didn't even offer one. Now, he had it in his contract and I didn't. Then a week after the wedding, the couple decided that they were going to start asking when the image was going to be ready. And I told them two weeks, but they were going for it after a week. They thought they should have them. Anyway, they hadn't paid the balance. So I told them I wasn't going to start editing until they pay the account balance. And every week, another wedding would take their place on the editing ladder. Anyway, they paid really quick. At the time, I was really upset about, you know, the way it all went down. But looking back, it was it was really my fault because I didn't define the rules. If they'd have known the rules, it would have stuck to them. Or I could have just pointed them at the rules. I could just said, on oh, your contract, I've got two weeks to do it. Or you should you should have paid by now. Um, so it was really my fault. Anyway, af- after this wedding, I started using contracts on all my bookings. It didn't matter what I shot. I got someone to sign for something. There was not going to be any anyone coming back and telling me that I'd done something wrong. Not only does it set out all the rules, but it gives the customer security. They know what they're buying into, and everything is above board with no gray areas. And that's the way it should be. Everyone knows how it's all going to work out. Now, I want to point out, that I am not legally qualified to advise you on the wording of a contract. It might sound like I am, but I really am not. So you need to, if you are unsure, you need to contact someone, a lawyer, um, solicitor, whatever they're called in your country, and discuss it with them to make sure that you are covered. I did a search and there are plenty of websites that offer photography contracts. The first three I came across were eforms.com, honeybook.com, and shotkit.com. This is a weird name, that one. S-H-O-T-K-I-T.com. From the looks of it, these are all US-based. If you live outside of North America, do your own search for photography contracts. I'm sure a local option is going to pop up, um, or there's going to be something you can change slightly. Okay, so next thing, deposits. When you're starting out and you get a booking for a photo shoot, you probably didn't ask for a deposit. If you do require a deposit, excellent. I'm very proud of you. You need to take deposits at the time of booking. The booking isn't a full booking until the customer has paid some money. If you don't require a deposit, people will make bookings and then just not turn up. And that happens all the time. Your customers need to have some skin in the game. If they don't turn up, there are consequences, and that consequences, they lose some money. Like if they call you and say like 10 hours before the shoot or even an hour before the shoot, can we rebook the cars exploded? Yeah, sure, yeah. You know, don't worry about it. They'll appreciate you more. They might even spend more money with you just for the fact that you're helping them out. If they don't turn up and don't tell you, then it's a good job you've got a deposit. Now, the amount of the deposit is up to you. Uh, Many wedding photographers around here require a 50% deposit. If you're 
doing mini sessions, say, and you ask, and you're doing mini sessions for $99 or $150, whatever it is, ask for the full amount when booked. They're getting a deal in the first place. Ask for the full amount. Don't mess around with a deposit. Don't put yourself in a position where you take, say, a $30 deposit. Then you're going to drive 50 miles to the photo session and the customer is a no-show. If you took a $200 deposit and you'd driven the 50 miles and the customer was a no-show, you wouldn't feel quite as bad as if it had been $30. So make it worth your while. The rule is make all your customers pay a deposit when they book your services. And the simplest way of doing this is an online form on your website where they book the appointment and it is not booked until they pay with a credit card online. Just a very simple way of doing it. Okay, so the next thing you need to sort out is products offered. If you offer products like, say, frame prints, canvases, you need to check on the availability and the pricing of these products on a monthly basis. Now, let's say your customer wants a 20 by 30 inch metal print and it's going to cost you $85. But after putting the order in, you find out that the price for that 20 by 30 metal print has gone up to 140. So now your options are to get it printed and then you lose $55 from your profit or check another image processor at the last minute and see if you can get it done cheaper. Now, using another processor is going to take a little longer maybe and might delay the delivery of the print to your customer so what you need to do is keep an eye on the photo processors websites or even make a call once a month couple of times a month to check that everything is in order and is still available at the same price a lot of these big places will give you a, an account manager that you contact so if they don't offer it ask for one they'll give you someone that you can contact and just check are these products that I offer my customers week in, week out, are they still the same? Are the same? They're still available and they're still at the same price. And ask them to inform you if the prices go up. It's going to save you money in the long run and it'll stop customers from being disappointed. Okay, last but not least, equipment. Now, all you need to worry about with your equipment is having enough equipment to cover all your eventualities, as in the type of photos you're going to take. It's no good turning up with a long zoom lens, a 270 to 200 zoom lens, if you need a wide angle lens. So your job is to have the lenses available to do the job. The other thing you need to worry about is having a second camera body and a second lens that will work if your main lens doesn't work, basically. So let's say if you use a 24 to 70 millimeter zoom lens and it fails, whatever happens to it, it just does not work. You don't need to have another 24 or 70 zoom lens. It doesn't have to be identical. You can get by with a 50mm lens. And in most cases, you can get by with a 50mm lens. So make sure you do have another lens that can be used in a, in a pinch. Like if you're in a bit of trouble, you know you can just put this other lens on it and it'll cover you. Using an older or cheaper camera body is fine. Um, as long as it's the same system as the main body. Or... If you've got a mirrorless, uh, using mirrorless Canon body and you're using RF lenses, if you go by what I've just said, you'd have to buy another mirrorless RF system. Well, you don't need to. If, if you can buy a cheap DSLR with a 50mm lens, as long as that lens will work for the type of photography you're shooting, 
that will work as your backup. So where I said same system, it doesn't have to be. You could even have a backup camera that's a Nikon with a 50 mil lens on. As long as you've got backup, as long as you can take a step back, if something breaks, put your hand in the bag, pull something out and carry on shooting, you're good to go. When you're taking a booking, the customer is putting all their trust in you. Imagine halfway through a wedding, your camera body dies, you don't have a backup. I know some places where I've lived in the past that if you said, oh, I'm sorry, my camera's broken and I'm walking out halfway through a wedding, you'd be lucky if you got out with your life. Now, weddings are enough of a headache to start with, as you've heard me go on about in the past, but some people love them, obviously, but um, they really are a headache. You don't need to be worrying about whether your equipment's going to fail or not. You need the security of having spare equipment for your own safety and the bride and groom or the family whose kids' birthdays, whatever it is, you need to go prepared. Okay, so those were the five things that can make your business a little bit stronger. Find a backup for you if you need it. Use contracts on everything. Always take a deposit. Remember, it's not booked until they've paid some money. Stay on top of your product availability and pricing and make sure you have backup equipment. Okay, that's it for this week. I got by with only a few breakdowns in my coffin and everything else that goes with it. I'll be back next week with more waffle and a lot less COVID. Stay safe. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.